Before we get started, I, on behalf of the Soft Adventure team and myself, would like to acknowledge that this conversation and all of our work here at the Soft Adventure are conducted on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome back to another Self-Adventure Club conversation. This one is with the incredible Julia Hogarth. Julia is a coach for creatives. She is a space holder. She is a creator of experiences that change things for us. As you'll hear, she has coached me before. She is a dear, dear friend and an incredible human, really. Just in such awe of what Julia has created her business, her work, her life, but also what she has experienced and how she has come through it is remarkable to me, honestly. And on that, I would like to share a content awareness warning for this one. We do talk about birth trauma and a mental health crisis that both of us have actually experienced. So if either of those topics are not what you need to hear right now, full permission to to skip this one. But we don't we don't dwell on them, those topics, but we certainly talk about our experiences and how we've moved through them. It is actually a really uplifting chat and just a real insight into the human experience. And I really hope that you love it. If you want to learn more from Jules, you can find her at juliahogarth.com or julia.hogarth on Instagram. You can come and say hello to me at Sarah Harney Makes on Instagram. I would love to hear how this conversation finds you, uh, how it moves you, and how you are. So, with that, let's get into it. Gorgeous, Julia. Thank you so much for joining me in the Self Adventure Club Conversations. It's such an honor to have you. Mm. Thrilled to be here after three rounds of rescheduling. My voice is still not 100, so but we're here. We're here. We are. We've been in the fire with kids with gastro, ourselves with illness. It's just been a time, hasn't it? It was a scary week, that gastro week. <laughs> it's, not, it's not okay. It's, it's, not, not, it's not. Oh, my goodness. Um, the joys of the intersection of, like, being ourselves and parenting and working and all the things. Mm-hmm. So... I joke often that you are my vision doula and that if I ever want to bring something into existence, it's not real unless I've told Jules. She's there in my DMs like, so I've had this download. (laughs) So I guess my first question to you is how do we craft a big vision? How do we craft a bold AF vision? I think the first part is allowing yourself to dream that big because I feel like, and I'm speaking from my own experience here in business, when we have our own business, our own babies, our own creative kind of spaces that we've created for ourselves, we sometimes enter into that doing what we think we should do. For example, I started as a coach and the way I was taught was you have a three-month container and you coach fortnightly and it's an hour and you have Vox are support in between and this is how it's done. And I love that we were talking earlier off camera about freaking the formula because I think that, yeah, we need to throw out all of that. This is how it's done-ness that really is just rife through, through our society 
as it stands at the moment. So I think the first part is allowing ourselves to dream as big as possible, like not restricting our enthusiasm and the things that tap us on the shoulder, like getting excited. I I know when I used to do this, I used to like douse my own enthusiasm, like, oh, that wouldn't work. So I wouldn't even allow myself to go there. So the dreams weren't dreamed because I was like, put a lid on it, Julia, you know, don't, that's not possible. That's not, and, and the, you know, voices come in, the mean girl comes in, the ego, the fear voice. So the first part is allowing yourself to go there. Like just go as big and bold and let your excitement run. Like what if the secret to creating was that you never put a quash on your enthusiasm? How big could it get? How big and bold could it get? The other thing that I think about a lot is ideas kind of live up here or they come through us or we get a sense of an idea or a creative download that can't be articulated. Mm. What happens in that incubation period, right? It's like when you, and, and, you know, up until quite recently, I couldn't use analogies like this because it was too painful, but It's like when you first get pregnant and there's all this activity going on that's not seen and it's a really important, special time and exciting, but you can't see it yet. There's a a really important part of creating which must be kept safe. And what I mean by that partly is not going out into the world and talking about it to many people. Say for you, Sarah, and I love that you do this, there's like certain people, maybe it's Ange, maybe it's me, that that idea gets, as a little fledgling, gets spoken about to, you know. But I do think often about how does something, how does an idea become real and that is going to look different for everybody because for me, it's tiny, tiny little intentional actions. It's tiny, tiny moments of I'm going to let myself sit in the excitement of this idea and then move. So I think for everyone that that's going to look different. Some people are, um, some people feel the feeling of a, an idea or a creative project. Some people see it. Some people, you know, it comes in all different forms. Mm, that's a good reminder, actually. Mm. For me, it feels like it, it's always a feeling and it always starts with words as a self-confessed word nerd. It's always, usually it's a, a, like a title with alliteration in it because <laughs> once a librarian, always a librarian. But, yeah, for me it's a little fizzy excitement feeling somewhere down in my belly that feels like, I spoke about this on a podcast recently, you know, that excitement that you never kind of recapture as an adult of like Santa coming the next day. (laughs) That feeling. The night before camp. Like how great is that? Like so excited that Santa's going to come that you're up at 4am and your parents are like, I'm going to kill you. I understand that. And you almost feel a little bit sick. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, like I'm so excited that I can't eat or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the way I've tried to build my business. Like what gets me so excited I feel a bit sick? For example, before I went to NT, I was driving to Melbourne to go on the trip to co-lead this trip and I was, I, I had this playlist that I was using the whole time I was calling into the people into the trip and it reminded me of, 
the Northern Territory and the vibes I had on the trip when I was there and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, had, I was driving to Melbourne. I had on this soundtrack and it was inspiring those feelings in me, the dogs getting involved, that powerful still. <laughs> and I was just crying with joy the whole time. I wasn't even on the trip yet. And I was like, that's the work I want to do. If, if something makes me cry, if I love something so much it makes me cry, if it activates me to the point of crying before it's even happened, like that's it. That's the stuff. That's so amazing. That is so beautiful. I appreciate you sharing that because I think too sometimes we can watch someone like you share, I'm doing this thing, I'm putting out this thing, I'm excited about this thing, and it sort of seems still a bit effortless. Mm. Because that's what that's Instagram. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, it's kind of how it works. And I think, yeah, I think it can be distracting from remembering that, yes, as much as you are well and truly in your power, that's clearly the thing that you should be doing. And mm-hmm. absolutely, we all want to get on board. That there might have been moments still of, can I do this? Should I do this? Am I going to book it out? Is it going to be okay? Can I hold it up? To, to my expectations and I think sometimes do you think that is partly why we're almost so emotional with mm. joy and excitement but even a little bit nervous mm. like can it can it be what we truly want it to mm. be <laughs> so I feel like that's a question for my whole life as a Libra I'm like oh it's gonna be amazing I'm in love with you I'm in love with you and then sometimes real life is like Julia that was some rose-colored glasses shit um (laughs) but that particular trip thanks for asking that question I haven't spoken about this much but that particular trip six weeks out from trip so eight weeks out from trip the NT borders open to everyone not just vaccinated people six weeks out from trip I had one human everyone else had pulled out and we'd had to reschedule it a couple of times. So I had one human on that trip, six weeks out from trip. So at that point, I should have had to cancel it. And I remember messaging Greg in tears, just absolutely devastated. Um, Greg, who co-led the trip with me and saying, we don't have numbers. Like, not only do we not have numbers, we don't have close to numbers. And he said, we're going to run it anyway. And I was like, right, that's my universal call up get on the tools Julia call the rest of these women in right so there was one human the most amazing human like if I was to say a human that I thought embodied the kind of reverence that I wanted all these women to have she was like everything dream participant so I was like if M can say yes the rest of them are out there so what do I have to do in six weeks to call eight more women into this trip. And this is not a $300 over the weekend kind of trip. This is like thousands of dollars. Get on a plane to give us nine days of your life. Plus we don't have phone reception for most of it and come huge leap of trust, huge. And at like at that point where I thought it was all going to crumble, I was like, I would rather pay 10 grand or whatever to go on this trip just for myself because I needed it so badly. It was such a hard moment because I just, I was so devastated. Anyway, six weeks out, I was like, right, well, I've literally got nothing to lose. We're going to run this trip. I am going to adopt a no stone unturned 
attitude. I'm going to put all my shame about being seen to the side. I am going to show up more than I've ever showed up for anything in my life because that's how much I believe in this. And I did that for four weeks. So we didn't get the last person up until two weeks out from trip. Amazing humans. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll sort my life out in two weeks so I can come. That's wild. That was Tessa. Shout out if she listens to this. Of course. Yeah, I, for four weeks until Teddy signed up and we had ten, nine. It was ten, including me. And I showed up every single day and I thought to myself every single day, what do the women that are coming on this trip need to know from me? How do they need their fire stoked for this trip? What do I need to do? And it was the hardest recruit I've ever done the original date I filled in a day via one email. Mm. So then I had these two experiences of it was like drawing blood to fill this trip. It took me four weeks of excruciating working through my own shit to show up. And the other one was one day, one email. So I got this beautiful example of it's got nothing to do with you, Julia. Nothing is your failing. Sometimes it's the way it is and the things we have to be learning in that moment that it's hard for us to recruit clients or call people in or whatever it is. Mm. And timing does matter and external circumstances Mm. matter and all of that. I think sometimes that really shits me in the coaching world or the online business world of, well, you just didn't have the right mindset Mm. or no matter what, like, no matter what, you should get them over the Mm -hmm. line or that kind of almost that hard sell stuff Mm. or just if they want it bad enough, they'll sign up by five o'clock. It's like some people are waiting on an invoice to be paid. Like I've been that Mm. person so many times still. (laughs) Um, And all the timing is just not, it just doesn't line up with what else is going on in my life. It's absolutely no disrespect on the offer Mm. or the Mm. person or the trip or the experience um so I really appreciate you sharing that again from someone that you're now playing in multiple spaces of you know online service offering in real life experiences Mm. you know lower price points higher Mm. price points all that kind Mm. of stuff it is really nice to hear as excruciating as that was for you um that that it can go either way and it's not you and you can just hopefully actively choose to approach it the way that you did or it's okay to hand stuff over sometimes as well. Also normalise changing our minds because mm. we make mm. it about us, right? That was my failing. I do this in my motherhood journey too. He's so, you know, tantrumy or emotional today because of something I did. What about the fact that he is a whole human with his own stuff, growth things, literal neural pathways being laid, shit going on? When we make it about us, and the people who tell us that it's our mindset, those are the those are the people that are selling to us based on internal wounds we have, and I'm not about it. Mm. Yeah, and it kind of goes to that freak the formula that you were mentioning before, mm. right, that idea that what are the rules, mm. in inverted commas, but how do we actually want it to mm. go and what lines up better with what we know to be true mm. for ourselves and our values. I feel like you asked me that a few times when I was coaching with you of, well, what do you actually know to be true? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's so important because I have had many, many coaches and nobody, 
Nobody on this planet can tell you what is good and right and true for you except yourself. Nobody, not your partner, not your parents, not your coach, not nobody. Mm. I, as a coach, can never know what feels like a yes, what feels like truth within you. Nobody can. I can know you well. I can ask you the question to uncover it or to lead you home. But, yeah, if something feels wrong in your body, you should never do it. This is what the freak the formula idea is all about. I don't care who it is you're idolizing or putting on a pedestal, take them down because you're the one. Like, you know, they say you are the guru. Truly, nobody's advice or formulas should be put above your internal knowing. And if you don't have what you know as your internal knowing, a connection to that, that's the place you need to start (laughs) because we're not taught it in school. So that's the thing that we have responsibility for, that connection, you know, and we forget it. I forget it. Human. Hashtag. Yeah. Human. Um, Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that I want to dive off into. But one thing I remember specifically, again, just thinking about our coaching container was that idea that, yeah, that concept of only you will know, but then also the forgetting, Mm. the forgetting and the remembering. Mm. I remember that being a big like post-it note moment for me Mm. because you were reminding me that even though we have people that are showing up and doing the work and where we've come this far on X amount of learning or journey or self-development, whatever it is, or this grief path or this big tumultuous something, we will still forget. Mm. And we've even though we've had wins in the past, we might still forget that we could have a win here or mm. that this is how it works. Mm. So, yeah, I guess that's not really a question, but the, the forgetting and the remembering, mm. like how does that sit with you? I'll tell you the story about how that landed for me because I'd been teaching it in in a few different ways and in different manners of speaking and I had a conversation with my friend Tessa who was like getting hard on herself because and we've got a podcast episode on my podcast talking about this she was getting hard on herself uh, because she had been through this as you say crazy period of her life where she was opening a physical space for her business and she would like just single lady doing it for herself just so many things on her plate and she'd been being hard on herself on top of that because she hadn't been in reverence and devotion which is what she chooses for herself every day right there's lots of yeah there's lots of spiritual dogma about choosing the right mindset and choosing to be happy and and we get to decide our vibe blah 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 right which Part of that is true, but also the forgetting. So when you're not in reverence for yourself, for life, whatever, Tess is saying, I want to choose that every day. Cool, but don't forget that you're actually on this earth to be a human and to be in the forgetting. That's actually part of your job because in the forgetting, it's the act of coming back again that will take on a different signature and flavor. If you are always in total reverence and happiness and I mean, it just, it just can't be like humans are not actually made that way. We are part of earth. We have seasons and cycles and we are part of that 
moon cycle, you know, where we ourselves have these periods where we just have to disappear for a while until we come back and, and the different cycle and season begins. And so the remembering and the forgetting for me is really important in the way that I live. Also, I need re- reminders of it every now and then. Because I've been through so much dark, I know the richness in that and I know from the many hours I've thought about the gifts in grief that the remembering and the forgetting are actually the yin and the yang of everything, right? If we're being hard on ourselves because we're in the forgetting, how can that be? Like in the forgetting is the remembering and so, yeah. It's a really it's a really important part of the way that I try to live my life is to remember that that's what I'm here for, to learn and grow and be in the seasons and sometimes in the mud. Mm. That's such a beautiful segue to my next question around obviously the theme for this edition of The Self-Adventure is the unravelling and the reimagining. And I look to you often as someone who has been in the unraveling in a number of different ways, some more excruciating than others. And I would love to know, as you say, the dark, sometimes we've got to go Mm. there and sometimes it is thrust upon (laughs) us. You know, there's there's lots of yours that you would not choose. Mm. Again, that's where I think we both have a pretty solid view on that everything happens for a reason stuff is kind of bullshit Mm -hmm. because there are some really awful things that don't need to Mm -hmm. happen. Where you sit right now, not saying that you're not completely unraveled and reimagined because, as you say, we're always in cycle, what is a message that you would have to your unraveling self or to anyone who is feeling in the depths of the dark What what words can we offer them? I've thought a lot about the gift in grief. First of all, grief can be so many things, right? We get taught that grief is the thing that we do when someone around close to us dies. Like that's the concept that I was given as a child. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't hear a lot more people in my life talking about the other different ways that grief can be. A grief can be, I mean, we go through it in motherhood, right? The grief of the part of us that we've lost, the person we will never be again. We grieve ideas of our what we thought our life would be and then it becomes very clear that it isn't, which is what I've gone through in my fertility journey. I've always had a willingness to go to the pain and I think if I was to give myself specifically a message is that, that willingness to go there and be with it is so, it's for a reason, you know. The dark and the shade and the depth of joy I can have now as a direct result of going to the pain and being in the grief is just beautiful. I think when we're unravelling, we're trying to pull ourselves out often the whole time should be feeling better. I should know how to fix this. I should know how to choose again. I should know how to heal myself. I can go to this person or that person. There's things I need to do to escape this. We're just so afraid of being in it. And even though it's so excruciating, 
to be there. I call it being in the tunnel. You can't see where you came in and you can't see where you're coming out. There's things that are happening there. When it feels like only pain, there's actually more going on that is has been constructed for you. Mm. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Mm. It's a real I find it I find it hard to think about outside of myself because I know there has been times where I've been in the mud or the dark and I have truly thought I don't see the point of this. Not being in the dark but life itself, like truly not suicidal thoughts but like the, a shade of that, of like I, I don't want to be here. If this is it, I can't. I can't deal with this anymore. And I think there's there's a really broken point there which signifies that you're about to start to see the light come on the other side of the tunnel, but you don't know that at that point. And I know that there are many people that can't, never come back from that point. So I, I struggle to really reconcile that, you know. Mm. But I know that the gifts that I have been given, my coach Sammy said to me once, would you take it back, the three years of stuff that we've been through? Would you take, would you take it back? And I said, I mean, I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, yeah, I'd take this back and that back. And like take all the miscarriages back. Why was I even pregnant in the first place? But in that moment, my first word was no. And I've always wondered, I mean, I kind of think I can see it, but I can only, I think it's only part of my feeling body, not my intellectual mind. In that moment, I could obviously feel that there was, enough of a gift in that grief to mm, it was going to affect my life in beautiful ways going forward. And the, it is worth living through. Right. Right. Again, not not any of this kind of yeah, there's there's beauty in all the pain, or that you know there's a, there's a reason for this, or you know God's way, mm. or whatever. None of that kind of mm. stuff, but more. If I have to right. endure this, or if I am already enduring mm-hmm. this, what gift may be in this for me, for us, for the future, or I will be okay, but maybe not in the way I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those placations hit differently of like, you know, the look on the bright side, everything happens for a reason. Those placations hit differently than what if I must go through this suffering, whatever yeah. whatever I'm going to do on this human plane in this human body, like if I must go through that, what can I learn from that about myself to start with? about the world, about systems I can help change, about what doesn't work so I can talk about that. I mean, I've been doing that. You've watched me beautifully and supported me beautifully. I've been vocal about that, about fertility. Why are we waiting to 12 weeks to announce we're pregnant? Why are we not gathering people around us from day one? Why are we 
not talking about miscarriage? Why are we having beautiful, full families reflected to us? I, I assumed, Sarah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Why are we only glorifying the nuclear heteronormy relationship and family? Like why is this still something we're putting on a pedestal as a society? Where are all the same-sex families? Like where are all the they-them families? Where are they? Yeah, and we know they exist. Exactly. We just don't make space for them. Exactly. Also, why are we still asking usually women or people with uteruses when are you when are you going to have another baby if you've already got one or when you just get married when when are you going to start a family it the more i witness the deep pain and loss and grief of fertility journeys mm. yours included it's like how fucking dare you ever ask anyone that question and you have shared so eloquently, again, using creativity and expression in your pain um, and as part of your healing, which is super courageous, that things not to say, things not to ask. Because, again, I think we think some of that stuff is is flippant or like this is what's going to happen or, you know, in our instance we get lots of the sort of same-sex flavour <laughs> ones of like, you know, are you going to like who's carrying next and, and will Ange do X, Y, Z? That's my partner's name. And most of it is well-meaning. But it's actually but none that of that doesn't mean That's right. And that doesn't mean it's not going to hit painfully or cruelly, depending on what that person is going through. And as you say, if we're still doing arbitrary rules like the 12-week thing, who are you potentially really hurting? Mm-hmm. Because, because you don't know what they've just gone through or going through right this second you're right and and you know it's gonna be messy as we shift and make space for the people that we need to because we've all done it we've all had moments where we've put our foot in it Jed actually said this happened I'm gonna say six months ago so after three and a half years of our own fertility stuff Jed I heard Jed ask someone about what size family they wanted or, or when were they having the next and I was like I got home and I was like what happened and he was like I know I, I just it's so deep-seated in us to set to ask those things and we think it's flippant and we think it's the thing that we should ask or at the, the place we should go next in the conversation and it's not so that's gonna be like this from a man who's watched me cry in a ball on the bathroom floor more times than I could ever tell you like cradled, picked me up off that floor and cradled me while I like just absolutely broke. And he, even he, is, it's coming out of his mouth. And I, and I just said to him, you can find a better question. And he said, I know. Yeah. So it's going to be messy as we move through this shift. But the thing, the thing that I think needs to happen is more conversation about it which is why this kind of conversation is really important because there's going to be those moments of like oh I fucked up you know mm. oh why did I ask that or why did I say that I oh. <laughs> if you are listening on the podcast feed you're going to get a little snippet and if you would like to hear the longer episode, please join the digital version of the club. 
And until the next conversation, thank you so much for listening and here's to the adventure.